You're listening to a curated podcast from the Beyond Infinity radio program broadcast live on Tuesdays from 11am from our Mornington studios in Victoria, Australia. Presented by me, Piers Cunningham. And me, John Young. Let's get into our science and technology news for the week. The Mars 2020 mission is a follow-up to the Curiosity rover. It's the same design. It's going to use that sky crane technique to land the rover. It's quite a large rover, about, mm-hmm. weighs about a tonne on the surface of the red planet. And what's recently been announced, in fact, just late last week, I think it was Friday US time, NASA has announced that a small helicopter is going to be carried on the underside of the rover oh, to yeah. piggyback and mm-hmm. get a ride to Mars. It's actually a completely separate mission, so it's got nothing to do with the uh, Mars 2020 mission, which is going to study habitability and rocks and see if there's any microbes inside rocks. It might even, I think it might even collect some rocks and cache them so that they can be picked up mm-hmm. by a future mission, which would do a sample return. Mm-hmm. So Mars 2020 is going to take off in the year 2020 and actually land in 2021. Mm-hmm. It's going to carry a small helicopter on the underside of it, and basically it lands on the surface with its wheels already in position. It lowers the helicopter down, and then it drives away from the helicopter, clears it by about 50 to 100 metres for safety reasons, and then the helicopter sort of unfolds. It basically takes off and does a series of tests, and the way that it works is it it flies for a fairly short period of time. I think it's only a few minutes. It's really a technology demonstration mission at this stage. It's going to cost about 40 or $50 million to demonstrate this technology, and then it lands and then it it charges up its solar panels. So it's it's fully automated uh, flight. Well, I think, yeah, it is automated. Because the message to get from here to Mars is going to be too long. If if any control or any communication will be between the rover and the helicopter. It's hard to fly on Mars because the air is very thin there. There is a a bit of a benefit because there's less gravity, so it's easier to get off the surface. It'll have two pairs of rotor blades that will spin in opposite direction at nearly 50 revolutions per second. And so this makes it possible for apparently for the helicopter to work. Mm -hmm. Down the track, they envisage this as a way that it could work. It could team up with a rover and kind of fly ahead of a rover and say, okay, that's a good place to go and have a look at. Mm -hmm. It could even fly farther afield and potentially land and put a spectrometer onto a rock and do the same sort of thing a rover does, but faster and more efficiently. So obviously it's, it's better to get around by air than on the surface with wheels if you can. And it's interesting that back in 1997, the Pathfinder mission had a little rover on board, which was the kind of, it was called Sojourner. It was about the size of a microwave oven. Mm-hmm. It was solar powered and it had a little spectrometer on board and a little camera and it roved around very short distance but proved that wheels on Mars was a good thing to have. Sure. And so after that, then they had the opportunity and Spirit rovers, opportunity still going and then, and then the next iteration after that was the Curiosity rover and the 2020 mission which is using the same technology so this could wind up being the forerunner to helicopters being used to investigate Mars but this particular helicopter it's only got a, a visual kind of um, sensors doesn't that's it that's right we don't know if it's got any other penetrating type sensors no no it doesn't, like it doesn't have yeah. any of that stuff so it's no. not going to fly to another location and then drill down no, and confirm it's going to do short yeah. duration flights it's really just demonstrating that technology it's not yeah. going to do much more than that I think the first flight will be about 10 feet and hover for 30 30 seconds. Uh, later flights will be more ambitious, up to 90 seconds in duration and cover a few hundred metres. Mm. It'll carry two cameras, one looking down and one pointed ahead. Between flights, it'll charge itself with a solar panel. So that's what it's going to do. A technology demonstrator there. Good that they're doing that because yeah. if, if uh, rovers are anything to go by, that could be could be the way of the future that they explore Mars with helicopters and then p- potentially the, the helicopters could carry people. Moving on with the news, the Australian Space Agency was founded late last year and it has been recently announced that the former CSIRO boss Megan Clark will be the head of the Australian Space Agency as it's going to be called. 
It's predicted that this sector is going to grow. There has been a little bit of money put aside for it in the current Australian budget. The federal budget, $41 million was the figure that they've allocated to it. Jobs and Innovation Minister Michaela Cash believes that this is enough to kickstart the sector. Seed funding for representative to go overseas and actually enter into agreements with technology companies that would be investing and looking to do joint ventures and the like with Australia. They're hoping that over the next 12 years, they will triple the value of the Australian space industry, which in the 2015 to 16 financial year was worth nearly $4 billion, 88% of that contributed by the private sector. Mm. It's hoped that that will be tripled in the next 12 years. And, and the problem is our best minds have been leaving to go overseas and work for the likes of you know Tesla or SpaceX or any other programs. So hopefully mm. this can draw talent back or keep the talent here so that the education path is, is clear into this kind of uh, system. And look, slightly controversially, you mentioned this off-air that uh, $48 million was allocated in that recent federal budget to commemorating the 250th anniversary of Captain Cook's landing in Australia, yeah. including a new monument. Now, moving on with the news, the idea of a multiverse has sort of become quite popular in recent years. The idea being that um, you can explain the unique conditions that have led to the development of uh, sophisticated life, which we have on Earth. We don't know whether it exists anywhere else. We could be completely on our own. We have no idea. The suggestion is that so many things had to line up perfectly to make life possible mm-hmm. for it to even develop into single-celled organisms, let alone multi-celled human beings. Sure. It was required for there to be multiverses, like more than one universe, like lots and lots of them, maybe an endless amount, to make it possible for the stars to align to make it possible for mm-hmm. life to have evolved as it has. And this has been tested at Sydney University using supercomputers. They ran thousands of hours of, of simulations at Sydney Uni and they worked out that you don't actually need to have a multiverse to, to create the circumstances or allow the circumstances, the settings, if you like, sure. for life to have developed. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of a blow to proponents of, of multiverses. Wasn't it Hawking's last book was uh, talking about multiverses? It so? may well have been. Yeah. I, I, I haven't read that one. We have got a, a bit of a eulogy to the life of that great astrophysicist from England. You can find that on our website, beyondinfinity.com.au, if you're interested in finding out more about the life of Stephen Hawking. Yeah, a little bit of a blow. They've published a paper recently in the monthly notices of the Royal Astronomical Society. These are the Sydney Uni scientists who did those computer simulations. They were looking at a substance called dark energy, which is another very mysterious substance they don't really fully understand. They've uh, run these simulations and they don't believe that, that a multiverse is required to explain the reality that we see around us. Mm. If you want more information about that, I suggest you check out our website and have a look at our show show notes which give details on the source material we've used for the program. Now, very sadly, over in America, there was a Tesla crash recently involving some teenagers. A battery burst into flames on impact, and uh, unfortunately, two 18-year-olds were trapped inside and died as the car became engulfed in flames. Various safety authorities over in America are going to be uh, thoroughly investigating this, but I suppose the issue is, are lithium-ion batteries, are they vulnerable to overheating and and exploding into flames? Is this this an issue? Well, it is an issue, and we know that you can't carry them on planes, for example, or over a certain 
size. Right. You can't check them into your you know baggage. And right. So and, and this is also the issue that we had with the Note 7 where yep. it was the exploding phone. That was a lithium-ion battery. Mm-hmm. So the larger the battery, the potential more problems they have and okay. it's hard to make them safer. Yeah. Okay. And I just want to be clear on this story as well. It was terrible that these kids died, but it doesn't appear, there's no indication that this was on an automated driving system. It was all manual driving. So this is, I think some people are concerned, well, what happens if the system was in autopilot? Well, it doesn't appear at this stage that there was any autopilot used. Okay, so it's being investigated by the National Transportation Safety Board. They have a four-person team focusing on the emergency response to the incident. So they're not just looking at why and how it happened. Sure. I mean, clearly the car was being driven very, very fast. Mm. And a high-speed accident, I mean, a car with petrol in it will explode as well. So this is not unique to that. It would be good uh, that if if this can be reviewed and then maybe there is a consideration to implementing an autopilot scenario if a sort of a manual driving situation could lead to an impending accident. So if you're driving too fast and and the system can see you're too close to a wall you're too close to a car i'm going to take over just for five seconds or slow you down or turn you this way uh, it would be good to see that implemented to at least um you know help or assist the drivers in a in a terrible situation yep the ntsb makes recommendations to other federal agencies so it, it looks at what happened the investigates the accident and it makes recommendations to the national highway traffic safety administration over in the u.s that organization has the authority to impose regulations and seek recalls potentially. Finally, from me before I hand it over to John, Apple has confirmed that it's going to use drones to improve Apple Maps. It also reckons that its privacy concerns and and priorities remain the same. But if there's information gathered by these drones to try to enhance the the benefits of Apple Maps, that any personal information, car registration, people's faces, that sort of stuff will be blurred Mm -hmm. out before anything's made public. But it is an effort to try to improve that slightly. uh, Well, anyone who's used Google Maps and compared it directly with Apple Maps will know that Google is a far more reliable Chalk and cheese. Yeah, absolutely. John, what have you got for us? Well, it's another week and that means it's another hack uh, that we'll hear about. And this this time it's a family planning centre in New South Wales. It was targeted by hackers in a ransom demand. Right. Unfortunately, the data of about 8,000 people is at risk. What's not clear is if it was specifically targeted or it was just a vulnerable system and therefore the software was just found its way to this system and therefore compromised the data. But what is known as that the hackers had demanded $15,000 in Bitcoin and this was on Anzac days. What happened was they then secured, this is the family planning center, then they secured the website the following day. So it doesn't say exactly how. They may have taken it offline and then rebooted from a backup, uh, which would be the smart way to go about it. Mm -hmm. But it's suggested that the hackers have this information or potentially have this information. And that is a security concern because some people that are, you know, visiting these, they may not want that information released uh, because of certain uh, religious or uh, human rights groups that potentially could target them. So there is no indication that this information has been leaked but it's it, just a sort of a gentle reminder uh, really need to have strong security measures in place to protect uh, your data your website but also the data of the people that uh, are coming to your site it does appear that it may be only names emails and sort of general inquiries and nothing about sort of personal de- records but if we find out more information we'll certainly uh, let you know okay and just uh, further on uh, data leaks uh, equifax has revealed the full horror of uh, the cyber heist of its servers now we did know that uh, 146 million users details had been uh, compromised what's coming out more now is uh, all the big numbers so 
145.5 million social security numbers. Now, when you put that into context, that's probably the majority of Americans because I think you have to be over a certain age to be able to get this social security number. And there's, you know, looking at 300 million people in the in the states, so there's probably a fair portion that are under the age of needing the social security number. 99 million address information. 209,000 payment cards, which include the number and the expiry date exposed. And there was apparently around about 38,000 driver's license details and 3,200 passport details. Wow, and Equifax is a pretty large organisation in the States. It's a consumer credit reporting agency and it collects and aggregates information on over 800 million individual consumers and more than 88 million businesses worldwide. So not the sort of organisation you want their information falling into the wrong hands. Exactly. And now moving along, the FCC, so this is still in America here, the Federal Communications Commission, they have upheld a 120 million US dollar fine to a, a robo-calling company. This is basically made under their Truth in Caller ID Act. And apparently the scam happened over a three-month period where about 100 million calls were made. And this was back in 2017. And the problem being was a few things that were an issue. One is that when the the call came in, it made it look like it was coming from a, a local number. So here, you know, in Mornington, we have an area code, 597, I think is the start of it. Mm. And so if, if my phone saw that area code coming in, I would think, oh, that's from a local number. Maybe I should answer it rather than if it was coming from an overseas or a, you know, a or distant. Private number, private number. Mm. and so that was the first thing where they had what they call spoofed uh, the the numbers to make it look like a local call mm. and then when the call was answered they actually made it um, sound like they were from a travel company and offering deals for example through um, you know, Marriott Hotel or Expedia an online website uh, the Hilton or TripAdvisor right. and if they wanted to find if the listener uh, the receiver of those calls wanted to find out more information on these deals they could press one for more information but what would happen then is they'd be connected to a call center that would then try to sell them timeshares. It was an elaborate scam, mm. uh, but fortunately this has has meant that they have been fined. And uh, hopefully this is a word of warning to other robocallers, which are an absolute pest and nuisance and, and they're completely unneeded. Yes, yeah, so a big fine as a deterrent. Thanks for listening. And head to beyondinfinity.com.au for the best bits from the live show or to connect with us on social media. We welcome your feedback and suggestions for future shows.